Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy. Today is February 12th of 2023, and we're celebrating the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Today's Gospel is rather long. We'll read the full version. It comes to us from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, and runs from verses 17 through 37. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, You shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother Raka will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly, we're all on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, Do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the king of the great the city of the great king do not swear by your head for you cannot make a single hair white or black let your yes mean yes and your no mean no anything more is from the evil one in today's gospel taken from the sermon on the mount christ tells us that he came not to abolish the law of the prophets but to fulfill now, to understand what he means, we can break the gospel into two parts. 
First, we have the introduction, where Christ speaks of himself as the fulfillment of the Law and the Prophets, and second, the examples that Christ gives. Regarding the first, the Jews in Jesus' time tended to understand the law in at least two very different senses. On the one hand, the law meant part or even all of the Old Testament, that is, literally what the scriptures contained. So we remember that this is literally what God wanted in writing and recalled. He did not want them to forget that. However, and, and more commonly, the Jews used the term law to refer to their oral laws, or the regulations that the scribes had established as the way that the Old Testament should be lived out in every single moment and every single aspect of life. Now, this collection of oral traditions was finally written down after the destruction of the Temple in 70 AD in a book that's called the Mishnah. So, when Christ is writing, this is clearly oral tradition. But to give you an idea of just how many rules and regulations, an English edition of the Mishnah runs about 800 pages. Now, later Jewish scribes would write additional commentaries on the Mishnah, called the Talmuds, specifying even more things to do or to avoid. The Talmud of Jerusalem is 12 volumes, that of Babylon over 60. And they could consider absolutely every little detail of life. For instance, what did God say? No work should be done on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for rest, right? So they take this to mean no work can be done on Sabbath. Nothing. But, but what does work consist of? Is it work if you walk 100 steps? What about 90? What about 80? And it's precisely because these were oral laws that Christ uses the phrase that we hear in today's gospel frequently. He says, you have heard it was said to your ancestors. You have heard that it was said. It was also said. Said, said, said. So what is the point? Well, this is important because we do see Christ breaking or abolishing the law in this second sense, meaning the oral traditions. We see him healing on the Sabbath. He spoke with a Samaritan gospel in the gospel, a Samaritan woman on the gospel. And he does any number of things that violate these oral laws. But the thing is that these interpretations had gotten away from what God intended with the law in the first place. Namely, God didn't want to impose a huge burden on the people, <coughs> but rather to lead people to love him. However, in the first sense, when we talk about what you know, God the Father literally wanted written down, Christ doesn't abolish the law or the prophets. In this first sense, he, he does fulfill them. A medieval scholar beautifully writes that when Christ speaks of the smallest letter, Christ uses the Greek word iota, because in the Greek numeral system it means ten. And thus, says this author, Christ is making an allusion to the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments of which the gospel is the pinnacle and perfection. Christ fulfills the law and the prophets, not simply in the sense that he is its completion, for instance, he himself takes the place of the Passover lamb, or he himself is the suffering servant that Isaiah foretold, but also in the sense that he redirects our focus to what really matters, that is, loving God and serving him in accord with that love. As St. Paul tells the Galatians, before faith came, we were held in custody under the law, confined for the faith that was to be revealed. Consequently, the law was our disciplinarian for Christ, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a disciplinarian. What does this mean? 
Well, the law kept us from going astray. It gives us guidelines and it, it tells us what to do and what not to do, but we can't be justified simply by following the rules. Rather, it's through faith that we become God's children. And like good children, we follow the rules because it's what's good for us. Following the rules shows our love for our Heavenly Father. As Christ tells his disciples at the Last Supper, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Again, rules aren't bad things, but they're certainly not the whole substance of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Again, the law is also a teacher. It tells us what we should do and what we should avoid. But in the end, our life isn't simply to remain with the teachings that I learned from my fourth grade teacher. The point is that I take that learning and I use it to live my life. So we can understand what Christ tells us with the examples that follow the introduction. The attitude of Jesus, the attitude that he's asking for us, is not an attitude of doing the minimum necessary. Again, it's not an attitude of doing the bare minimum. You know, C's get degrees. You know, I pass. I do what I need to pass, and that's it. Again, it's important to avoid sin, but it's not enough. Again, we can think of an example. What, what would happen if a child were to tell his mother, Hey, Mom, I was really good today. I didn't break in any windows. I didn't tell any lies. I didn't steal. Again, maybe for a very little child, or maybe for a child who was very, very bad before, maybe the mother would... would be happy. Maybe. But let's think if a husband were to tell his wife, he said, look, sweetheart, today I was so good. I didn't cheat on you. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't steal any cars. You think the wife will be happy? I sure hope not, because it's not enough just not to do evil. We have to do good. Avoiding sin is important, but it's not enough to make us a saint. Avoiding sin is the bare minimum of what we need to do. Now, there's people in this world who do nothing wrong because they simply do nothing, period. Right? There's people who don't do anything wrong, just just sit back, don't do anything. But again, we don't go to heaven because of the bad things we haven't done, but rather because of the good things we do. God, I didn't kill anybody, so I get to go to heaven, right? No. The world offers us comfort, but we're not made for comfort. We're made for greatness. What is greatness for us? Prayer, vocation, sacrifice. So through the intercession of Mary, refuge of sinners, let's ask for the grace to love Christ more and more throughout this year and to show this love by keeping his commandments.